more minimal over the next few weeks. Um, but if you have a Bible, or if you have a app on your phone, if you'd like to turn to the book of Joshua, and I'm going to be reading Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to be dipping in and out for Joshua chapter 6. And for those of you who have been amongst us uh, for the past uh, several months, you'll be thinking, I'm sure you'll probably be thinking, Joshua. Well, Joshua, that's not Mark, is it? It's not Mark. Actually, and it's completely different testaments. It's, the, it's near the beginning of the Bible, Joshua is. And so, and actually, so if you, what I'm talking about is actually over the last few months, we've been going line by line through the book of Mark. And we've been doing Mark's gospel. And we've got to, we, but over this, the next few weeks, over summer, we're going to take a step back from the book of Mark. And we're going to do a few weeks going through different stories through the Bible. And these stories have basically been inspired because uh, we've had a couple of prophetic words over the last few months. Talking about us being a people of worship. Talking about that Helen and Rob were here from Bolton a few months ago. And Helen prophesied over us that we'd be a people of worship. And that as we worship, walls in the spiritual realms would fall. Now, Andrew prophesied over us um, a, couple of, a couple of weeks ago that, that we would be a people that as we worship, as we raise our praise to God, that, that battles would be won, that strongholds would fall down, that God would win amazing battles in the heavenlies through what we do as we sing his praises, as we live out every day. And we're not just, when I say worship, I'm not just talking about us singing and praising and saying, Jesus, you're amazing, and that is worship. That's brilliant. But also, for those of you who come early and you set up, for those who just couldn't be in Tommy and just, you know, just said, we'll, we'll take, we're going to take the kids out, that, that's worship. For those of you who give, that's, that's worship. And so as we, we're going to look at a couple of stories over this summer period of how when God's people worshipped, major battles were won in his name. They didn't raise it. They didn't pick up a sword. They didn't. They didn't go and fight anyone. They worshipped God, and amazing battles were won. So, like I said, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Joshua this morning. So, Joshua chapter six, verse one says this: Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred up. Uh, were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, "See." I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. I'm going to stop there. You see, so, so the, the story kind of is, is that Moses has led the people of God out of, out of Egypt. They've kind of done this wandering journey for 40 years around in circles in the desert. And then Moses dies. And they're on the banks of the River Jordan. And God has raised up Joshua to take his place as leader of the people of Israel. And God has said to, to, to Joshua, here you are on the banks of the river Jordan. And over there is the land of the Canaanites. And that land is yours. I'm giving it to you. But in the way of this amazing land that God has given them, it's Jericho. And Jericho is a city like no other. It's been, it's got walls built up to the skies. It's got, it's got fighting men, fierce people inside, willing to, 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 to who want to kill them, who want to, who are raised to defend. It says their walls are shut up. They are completely impenetrable. No one is getting in. No one is getting out. 
And look at this situation. There's the promised lands. Here's Jericho standing in their way. Impenetrable city. And God says, see, it's yours. See, it's yours. We can think, you know, what on earth are you talking about, God? What on earth are you talking about? You see, you may have things which God, you feel God has promised over your life. Things that you feel that God has given, that God wants to give you. You know, we, we believe that God, God is going to move mightily, that he is going to save, that he is going to, he, he is going to um, bring salvation to this part of the world, to the filed coast. And so that's the promise. But then you're like, there's Jericho. There's the reality of how people live their lives. There's, there's the reality of sexual sin, of, 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 of money, of, of abuse. And you just think, that's, that's too big. But God says, no, see, I've given you the land. I've given you the land. And what, God, and what God is encouraging us to do is actually, a massive part of our worship is faith. A massive part of our worship is faith. And the, the writer of the Hebrews says in, in chapter 11, he says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. See, we, we, we hope for the promised lands. In reality, with our eyes, we see Jericho standing in the way. But faith is seeing, actually, that Jericho is no problem to God. That God can deal with Jericho. God can deal with whatever things we look at this culture and say, that's a problem. No, faith is to look past that and say, actually, God has given us the promised land. And you know, when we... When, when, when we see with eyes of faith it amazes God actually there are very few things in, in, in scripture where it says God was amazed in a good way in a good way God was amazed in a good way and actually if you, if you read your Bible you read in the Gospels in the book of Matthew 20 uh, Matthew uh, 8 and Matthew 15 we read about two people a man and a woman who amaze God and they amaze him because of their faith in chapter, in chapter 8 of Matthew, we've got this centurion, this Roman centurion, who comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, would you heal my servant? He like, describes his servant as like a son to him. It's like, Jesus, he's, he's ill, would you heal him? And, and, and Jesus is like, I'll, I'll come to your house. He's like, you don't need to come. You don't need to come to my house. You just need to say the word. See, I'm a centurion. I know that if I tell those people under my authority to do something, they do it. And you are God. And if you tell sickness to go, it doesn't matter where you are on planet Earth, it will go. And Jesus is like, whoa. Whoa. I've never seen such such faith in all of Israel. He then goes to this, this lady. Uh, he's, in, he's, in Can- he's in Canaanite, in Canaan. And he goes to a lady. And, uh, sorry, my iPad's just locked. Never locked. He then goes to this lady who who comes to him and says that she wants uh, healing for her daughter. And, she, and Jesus kind of just kind of plays with her a bit, kind of shoes her away. And she goes, but master, even a dog gets to eat the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus is like, I love this. I love your faith. I love it. And, and, the, and the daughter is healed. You see, when we, when, we, when we show signs of faith, Jesus loves it. Jesus loves our faith. 
It is impossible to please God without faith. So let me ask you, what have you got faith for? What have you got faith for? I'll tell you what I got faith for. I'll tell you what I got faith for. I have got faith for more salvation. I have got faith for more salvation. I, I've got faith for, for more baptisms. See, I have faith. This, seems, this might seem crazy, but so does defeating Jericho. I have, I have faith that actually it won't be long until we can look back on a year in the life of this church and be able to go, do you know what? It was like every week someone was getting saved. I have faith for that. I have faith for God moving. That actually, that we are, like we did a couple of weeks ago, we held the, the baptism service. I, I have faith that actually we, we could actually be doing um, baptisms on a monthly basis. You know, we gather together and first Sunday of the month, we take bread and wine together as, as, as a big church. Actually, I, I have faith that actually one day we'll be baptizing people on a monthly basis. You know, recognizing that they have gone from death to life, that God is working in their lives. I have faith. You know, in the in the autumn, we we said that we're going to launch these interest groups, and with the with the idea of actually that we connect more, we see each other more, and whether that's over walking or art or or um, or praying or whatever whatever you, you want to do, that it's just a way that we can connect him. But actually, we've decided as, as a leadership team that actually, even though we want to keep doing, we want to do those things so we can connect more. Actually, that the hub, the core thing of our week is still going to be our our home group gatherings. And I have faith that we will have not just one or two, but we will have multiple groups. Not because I want lots and lots of groups, because I want lots and lots of opportunities for people in this church and people who you meet and you spend time with to pray and worship and love one another, to really know one another. I, I have faith. I have faith that actually, you know, that, that one day you know, we, we won't just be meeting here on a Sunday morning. Maybe we'll have an evening service. Maybe we'll have a, a service on another time. Another time. I, because Not because I want to just have more services and more work to do, but actually because I want more opportunities for people to come and, come and meet with you guys. And as they meet with you guys as a group, they can counter the presence of God. I mean, when, like Ian was talking about, you know, running into that person on the street, Christ is in him. So therefore, as he's speaking to him, he's encountering Jesus. But how much more when people encounter a big group of us? You know, when Ginny, I, I faith that, you know, when Ginny came uh, a couple of months ago, she said this. She said she looked out on us and she said, God is going to breathe on you. God is going to grow this church. God is going to double it. And you are going to either have to think of moving venues or having to do set, multiple services or maybe even both. And like, I, I believe that God is going to do that. I have faith for that. I have faith that I have faith that we we will continue to be a church made up of young, old, rich, poor, black, white, whatever, every kind of national, every every group, every people group, every language, tongue, you know, represented in this church. And like I said a few weeks ago, you know, we live in Blackpool, one of the most whitest places in England. But I believe that God's church has been made up of all different types of people from all different types of, of backgrounds. When we, we had a, a leadership meeting um, uh, several months ago and Shagun um, uh, uh, suggested that actually if that's the type of church we want to be, why don't we have a banner out the front that has welcome on it and as many different languages as we can possibly get. Which basically is how many different languages do Google translate? And I have been informed some of them are wrong. 
but I don't understand them. But the, uh, we, had, we had a guy who came and preached here um, a couple of months ago who's from China, and he said, he said, what's that meant to say? I was like, it's meant to say welcome in, 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 in Cantonese. He's like, yeah, it doesn't say that. But I love the fact that you tried. I love the fact that you tried. See, but I want, I want, I want that. I want people from all different. I believe that God is going to do that. I have faith that God is going to work amongst us, ministries into the poorest, into the most needy people in this town. You know, it's great as a church we've been so generous in giving to things like Streetlight, the homeless charity, into tear funds people like that, but actually I believe that we will, we will soon have, have things where we ourselves are getting dirty. Yes, it's great to give money, but actually where we ourselves are, are getting dirty, whether that's working with the homeless or working with refugees or working with people with certain disabilities, I don't know, I don't know. But I believe that God, God is going to raise up men and women amongst us who can champion those things. Don't you want to be a, in a church like that? Yes. Yeah. I do. But there's a Jericho. There's a Jericho to overcome. There's a Jericho that requires a big faith step, an obedient faith step to keep on going. You see, God, God speaks to Joshua and he tells him, there's Jericho, but I've won. And then he's going to ask him to do some crazy things, okay? If you know the story, he, he continues. He says, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump around a bit so it may not flow completely. But he, but he tells him then, he says, march around the city once. All, all the armed men, do this for six days. So he tells them, there's the city. He doesn't say, build a catapult. Build some ladders. Build a battering ram. Now set fire to it. No. March around the city every single day for six days. He says, have the priests ca- um, the priest carry trumpets, ram's horns in front of the ark. Basically, play a load of worship music. Carry the ark, which was God's presence, manifest amongst them. Take God's presence around this and play songs. Sing, sing to God. Sing to, to, to your Lord, your Saviour. Don't build batting rams. I mean, that seems like countercultural. But do worship me. Then, on the seventh day, I'm still not asking you to build a batting ram or build a catapult. I'm saying, march around seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets. When you hear the sound of the long blast on the trumpet, have your whole army shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse. What obedience. I mean, we know the story, don't we? We know the story that, that they march around the walls, they, they sing their songs and play their trumpets and whatever else they've got. And then on the seventh day, they do, do it seven times and they give a big shout to the Lord and the walls come tumbling down. We know that. They didn't. They didn't. On day one, they didn't know that. Okay? So, to march around a city seemed completely crazy. It seemed complete foolishness. It, it sounded complete foolishness, as, as foolish as it does for us to do something like that, as it did for them thousands of years ago. Yeah, but actually, God calls us to do some crazy things. 
Actually, God, when, we, when God calls us to do big things, to do faith-step things, the world will look at you and say, that's crazy. I remember um, many, many years ago when me and Jen were first married. Uh, we were in, in, a, in a church in Salford and uh, the, we, were, we were with Jen's parents and they don't believe and yet. And um, they, uh, they, they were familiar with like, you know, Anglican church and a high church and that, you know, a vicar gets paid by, um, by, by some sort of pot of money in the CV or whatever, you know. And, um, and so, so they said, well, you're not Anglican. How does, how, does your, how, does, how does Howard, who led the church, how does he get paid? And we were like, people give. You know, that's how we, how we afford the building meeting, that's how we afford um, his salary, people give, and then he gets paid for that. To which she would fear, Jen's mum said, do, do you give? Yeah, yeah we give. How much? And it completely shocked her because it was crazy. You know, the world, you know, we, we give we give a little bit of money to someone who knocks on the door or to a charity or whatever. We kind of pat ourselves on the back and say, aren't we great? But then you, you put that to the, the craziness of some of you guys who faithfully give every month to, to what God's doing, to God's church. And you, some of you just think that's normal. But the world thinks you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. See, but James, James says, the brother of Jesus, in James 2, it says this. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothing or daily food. If someone says to them, says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not a, <clears throat> is not a com- sorry, if faith itself is not accomplished by actions, it is dead. Faith without deeds is dead, he's saying. He doesn't say that, that deeds save us, but he's saying our actions prove our faith. They prove what's going on inside. Can we say... You all said yes when I said, do you want to be part of a church like that? A church which is seeing salvation, a church that is multicultural, a church that is changing the landscape of the land, a church that is, is worshipping God, that is seeing outreach to the poorest and to the richest. You all said yes, I want to be a part of a church like that. But the truth is, it costs. It costs. It costs. It's going to take steps of faith. Which to the outside world, and even to yourselves, will look as stupid as marching around a big city and expecting it to fall down because you shout. But without faith, without action, sorry, faith is dead. It's going to take steps of faith to speak out. Do you know, when, when Ian was on the street, like you mentioned this morning, but I know many of you have done this, when, when, when you have the opportunity to speak Jesus to someone in the street or in the supermarket or, or wherever you find yourself, that's worship. That's worship. But it takes faith to do it. It takes faith to do it as, that, as, your, as your stomach knots. And you think, oh, I, can't, I can't speak about Jesus to this person that I've barely met. That takes faith. 
It takes faith to, to come here early on a Sunday morning and, and help set up and put out the chairs, to, to do the cables, to, to make the tea and coffee. That takes faith. And let me tell you, it, it's wonderful. And let me say, if, for those of you who do come, when you're putting out chairs, when you're boiling water, when you're putting out cables, when you're practicing for worship, whatever you're doing, you're not just doing what you're physically doing. What I mean is, you are creating an atmosphere. You're creating a space where people out there can come and run into Jesus. Where they can meet Jesus. See, we've had time and time again, this year alone, people come in and say, wow, the presence of God is in this place. The presence of God is here. But let me tell you, if no one gave anything so we could afford the building, if no one, no one set up any chairs or no one, no, no one did anything, it would just be a closed building where we couldn't meet. See, it costs, it costs. So faith causes us to not just say, yes, God, praise you, hallelujah. It actually causes us to empty, empty our pockets and say, I want to give to this. I want to use my money. To, for the furthering of the gospel, you know, to, to help people, help people, um, uh, uh, to help us rent places like this, to help us buy stuff for the kids, and to help us um, uh, pay for staff. You know, there's there's plenty of stuff that I'm thinking you know, I can't do on my own, and there's things that what we want to do as a church, which we know even with the best will, a volunteer doesn't have the time to do. So there's things that we want to be able to end time to be able to pay people to do. But we need money to do that. We want to be able to we send. A load of youth to New Day. It takes money. It takes money to do that. Let me ask you, where is God calling you to step out in faith? To exercise faith? A few lines down, it says in Joshua 6, it says, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that we will not bring about your destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make camp. The camp of the Israelites liable to the destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver, all the gold, all the articles of bronze, iron, anything that's worth anything, it belongs to the Lord and must be taken into his treasury. You see, worship is also faithfulness. Worship is also faithfulness. It's, it's actually continuing to do what is right, despite what's going on around us. So the, the Israelites, they march around this, this city. Seventh day, they march around seven times, they cry to the Lord. The walls do fall down. The walls fall down. And they are, they are instructed by God to not take any of the gold and silver for themselves. Actually, the, what, what God is doing there, he's saying, trust me. Trust that I will look after you. And not that person's gold that you are gonna, you're stealing. You see, and, and it, it, on that day one, it probably felt a bit weird to march around the walls. But they did it faithfully. This Joshua generation, they marched around the walls faithfully. Day two, 
they faithfully marched around the walls. Day three, four, five, six, they faithfully marched around the walls. Day seven, they did it. And then, boom, they saw God move. But then God called them to remain faithful. Even in, even in the sight of this victory, to remain faithful. To trust him, to trust that he knows best, to stay self-controlled. And for, for us, maybe that, maybe that is. You, you shared your faith and you got knocked down. Actually, you know to be faithful is to go again next time you get the opportunity. But it feels hard this time. I want, I, I, want to, want to, I want to preserve. I don't, want to, I don't want to go for it this time. But God's calling you to be faithful and worship him by telling someone else about it. Maybe it's, maybe it's serving. Maybe, maybe, you have, maybe you have served in the past. You, you cut, you've helped on Sundays. You've run groups or whatever. And then you've gone for a season where it's just been hard. And you've had to step back. But God's saying, go again. Go again. And it's easy to go, no, 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 no. It's too much effort. I like my lions. I like this, like that. Actually, no, God's saying, be faithful. Serve again. Worship me in your actions. Maybe it's money. And I just encourage you, if this, if this is your church, I encourage you, God calls us to give. God calls us to give. And may, maybe for some of you, that's, that's for the first time to actually say, no, I, I am committed to the vision of this church. I do want to see this church grow. So actually, I'm going to start giving. I don't care how much. You know, I, it, it's about God. It's you and God. Some of you, it may be a case of actually, I want to relook at what I want to give. And right now, some of you may even have a, a sum that you feel like God wants you to give. I've had this, you know, you, you might be sitting there going, nah, 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 nah. It just keeps coming. That again, that's between you and God. No one is gonna, no one is gonna tell you that you have to serve more, you have to give more. Why have you not shared about what do you about someone who you evangelized to this week? We're not gonna do that. No one's going to do that. Actually, but your time, what you spend doing, your money, what you spend it on, are a massive inclination of what you worship. What we spend our time doing, what we spend our money on, they show what we worship. So let me suggest that if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, whether here now or whether you've listened to this at a later date and God's speaking to you. Like I said, I don't want to beat you up into saying, why is no one serving? Why is, why is no one giving? Or why would it? Because that's not true. But, you know, but is God asking you to? If not, that's great. But like I said, I don't want to beat you up. Actually, what I want you to do, what I want us to do as a church this morning, is to look at Joshua. Look at this generation and rather go, rather than go, you need to do better. Actually, what made Joshua do a crazy thing? I mean, the, the thing, okay, you're one of these priests or one of, one of these, these people in, um, in, in, in Israel and you're marching around the walls. You may be thinking, maybe you're not on day one, but maybe you're on day four or five, you may be thinking, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Okay, imagine being Joshua. Okay. Who's told them to do this? Why are we doing this, Joshua? Because God has told me that it's what we need to do. God, you better act. That's what I'm going, you know. Anyone stepped out of faith like that and you're just like, God, you better act. 
you know, you, you, you might go up to someone, and you might go to someone in church, and even like, you're like, I believe God said this, this, and I'd really like to pray. And like, God, please act. I'm just going to look like a complete idiot. You know, just imagine, day seven, seven times round, shout for the Lord. Something going to happen. Yeah, nothing happened. Imagine being Joshua. He's like, God, please. Yeah, they're marching around. I'm sure Joshua is going, please God, please God, please God, please God, please God. Yeah, it's, yeah, we, 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 it take what's God calling you to do? What's God calling you to do? You see, what made him do that? What made it? What made it when, when God said, Joshua, I want you to serve? He said, where, God? What made it when, when God said to Joshua, I want you to give? He said, how much, God? What was it? Let me tell you, it wasn't a fear. It wasn't that he was terrified that if he didn't, something bad was going to happen. It wasn't that he thought people would think less of him. Actually, it would have been far easy for him to not do it. People's, no one's going to think he's crazy by saying, there's a massive city in front of us. Right, how are we going to get, let's build some, let's build some battering rams and some ladders and some ways to defeat. No one's going to think him crazy by doing that. But by doing what God's asked him to do, Wow. So why did he do it? Why did he do it? Why did he so want to give is all? Well, in the previous chapter, in chapter 5, verse 13 and 15, it says this. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you with us or with our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the armies of the Lord, I have come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place you stand is holy ground. What made Joshua do what made Joshua say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to. I'll give as much as you want. I'll serve as much as you want, God. What made him do it? Because he met God face to face. He met the living God. You see, he, he meets, he meets this, this, this person who he thinks is, a, is this, 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 this big soldier. And he's like, you're scary. Can you say that you're, are you on our side or are you on their side? Please say you're on our side. Because I don't want to fight you. And he's like, I'm on no one's side. He turns it on his head and basically just goes, Joshua, are you on my side or you are on my enemy's side? And he realises that he's not talking to just some mere soldier. He's talking to God himself. And that's what God says to us. He says, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Are you on my side? Or are you on his side? And the good news is that we don't need to do anything but believe to be on his side. You may have been the worst person in your, in your eyes. And if you come to your knees and say, Jesus, you are Lord. I want to follow you. You're on his side. You're on his side. He has done everything. He is, you don't, don't hear this. And think, to be a better Christian, I need to give more. I need to serve more. I need to speak more. No. Jesus has made you. Perfect. Jesus has saved you. You don't need to do anything else. You don't need to serve. You don't need to give. 
But if, like Joshua, you have met the King of Kings, Joshua, who, when we read the story about Moses, who was always in the tent of meeting in God's presence, if you've met the King of Kings, our, our response shouldn't be, oh, I want to be a better Christian, so therefore I'm going to give more. No, our response is, God, I've met you. I want to give whatever you want me to. I want to serve wherever you're leading me to. God, I'll speak to whoever you say, even though I might look stupid. I want to do it. I want to do it, God. That's what Joshua was like because he'd met the king of kings. See, faith, faith is evidence in what we do. But the Bible tells us that faith itself, we can't work up. We can't go away from here and go, have more faith, have more faith, have more faith. That's not how it works. Ephesians 2 says, faith is a gift. It is a gift from God. So therefore, how, how do we grow in our faith? We spend more time with Jesus. We spend more time in his presence. You see, to build this church, to see it double, quadruple, your whatever, to see life after life after life transformed. It's not going to be built on you guys and me trying harder. It's just not what it does. It's going to be built on us, on our knees before God. Getting a glimpse of who he is afresh every day. As Watchman Nee says, said, and we sit, we sit in the presence of God so we can stand and walk. We don't walk and stand. First, we sit in the presence of God. We learn who he is. We get revelation of how great he is. And then from that, we rise motivated to serve because we can't do anything else. So I'm going to end here. I'm just going to pray that God will raise faith in us as we worship him. And as we worship him, he would raise faith. He would raise Jericho crushing faith. And so as, as you see, maybe you see the, the, the promised land of seeing a friend saved. You see the promised land of seeing more of different people, of seeing people groups come into God's family, into this church. But you struggle to see past the Jericho, whatever that is. I'm going to ask that God, as we fix our eyes on him, would give us Jericho-crushing faith. And that my prayer is that as, as, as Ian and Olu and, and uh, Julian over the next couple of weeks um, bring similar messages and from where, from different stories throughout the Bible, that actually as we go into September, we will be a church that is equipped, faith-filled, not to work harder, to dig deeper, but who love Jesus more, and therefore say, as Joshua did, it might sound crazy to walk around a wall seven times and shout praises to God, but if you want me to do it, God, I'll do it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, you are king. You are the king of angel armies. God, there is nothing impossible for you. Lord Jesus, there is no one too far gone. There is no situation too dark that you can't win. Lord Jesus, and I pray that we be a church that loves to be in your presence. That loves to worship 
and adore you, that loves to sing songs, to read us, to read scripture, and, and, and be built up, be left in awe and wonder of how good, how great you are. We would be a church that spends hours sitting, kneeling in your presence. God, that so when you call us to stand, we would stand with Jericho destroying faith that leads us to give, that leads us to serve, that leads us to speak. Come and do a work in each one of our hearts, Lord Jesus.